guys welcome back to another episode week six episode six unknown to podcast your boys here mandela matt and Corey. we got a very special episode for you guys today we got a special guest in the house ty petru say what up ty what's up he's a good friend of mine good hockey player he was drafted by flint in this uh most recent ohl draft in the fourth round and now uh, we brought him on to share some of his stories tell us about his path and just give us some insight what it's like to be him. So yeah, um, we'll lead it off here. So first question for you, Ty. How old were you when you first started playing? And what was the earliest hockey memory that you have? So my first year playing hockey, I was four years old. Um, probably my first memory ever I had was probably scoring my first goal, probably as most kids would say. Um, that's a memory that's stuck with me even all the way up until now from my first year. So yeah. Do you remember uh, how you scored your first goal, who you scored it against, what arena? Yeah, so I actually, when I was younger, I actually started off as a defenseman. Um, I was playing a year up, so I was playing with 2003s as a 2004. And um, I was playing lefty, and I remember we were making a shift change, and I caught the other team on a back from our end um, down the left side, and I actually took a wrist shot from the top of the ring outline, and that went in, so that happened to be my first goal. Oh, nice. So it was probably a fluff ball, eh? It was. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Sounds good. All right, next question, next question. What are some of your hobbies off the ice? Um, well, right now, um, other than schoolwork, I'm just hanging out um, I've been fortunate enough. My gym has been open this entire time. So, um, since COVID started, so I've been able to go five times a week with a couple of the boys and we go Monday to Friday, um, every morning at 8am. So, um, other than that, uh, like I said, just going out with friends, um, training, getting ice when possible. Obviously there's nothing right now, but, um, a couple of them are open back up soon. So pretty much just that. All right, nice. So what's like a typical workout weekly routine for you? Like, do you do heavy days, light days, cardio days? How would you break it up? Yeah, so for us, we tend, Mondays, we tend to do upper body. And then, um, so just everything until the end, like we, we always save conditioning at the end for every single one of our workouts. But Monday, we tend to do um, upper body. And Wednesday, we go to lower body. And then Friday is a little bit of a mixture of both. But we focus on Fridays more just conditioning, like sleds, um, quick feet, stability ball. Um, all things get your heart rate going and get you sweating. Which one's your least favorite day? Um, I'd have to say Fridays. Uh, cardio always sucks, but you need it and it's good for you. So those Fridays are definitely the worst days, but they're, they're the best ones in the same in the same way. I feel that. Don't we all hate cardio, but we know it's so important. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> all right. Um, so tell us a little bit more about – I know you touched on your first goal. Tell us a little bit more about your minor hockey career, the different teams you played for, and some of the most memorable moments and tournaments. 
Okay, so growing up, my first few years of hockey, like I said, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to have the chance to play um, a year up in the 2003s, and I was with the Pickering Panthers for a couple of years. And then um, right when I hit the age where um, I was allowed to play AAA, so um, I think that what would, what would that be, like Minor Adam? Yeah, Tyke. I don't know. Um, that first year, ever since then, I've been playing with the Raiders, and then in um, – in minor Adam, actually, that's the year that I'm pretty sure I went to the Marlies for a year. And then the next year I came back, um, back to the Raiders. And so I've been playing with the Raiders for eight years now and then one year with the Marlies. Um, all those years have been AAA. And then um, some of my most memorable moments, obviously um, the draft is definitely my most memorable moment up until this point. Um, the draft is just something I've been looking for. Looking forward to my whole career, um, just like I'm sure every other kid. And um, that feeling that day, I I don't even know how to explain it, but um, it's it blew like just. I don't think I slept one hour that night, and waking up, I was just very anxious and excited and ready to go. And then um, just seeing my name and my buddies' names, teammates' names going up on the board, I was excited for them also. Um, and then when it comes to tournaments, I'd have to say our our minor midget year, the silver stick, was a huge one. Um, just the environment in the ranks. You've never seen so many people watching our games before. Um, and the competitive level, it was it was off the charts, the teams that were there. And then um, I thought we had a pretty good weekend that weekend. Um, obviously, Notre Dame, that was that was a really fun experience, getting to see their um, campground and their, their rink and the football field and um, their merchandise store. It was, it was a great weekend. And then um, probably when I was younger, just the, far, the farther tournaments, like Detroit, Boston, um, getting to go on a road trip with the boys. And then back then, obviously, that was a little more fun to, uh, as we were younger to go farther away, play mini six in the hallways and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, no, those those away tournaments are definitely, like, those are where all the memories come from, right, with your buddies who you um, play with. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, exactly. your Raiders team, you guys had, what, five kids get drafted? Yeah. Yeah, must have had a good, pretty good coaching staff, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Okay. Hold this, on. Uh, hold on. You're Mandela. You can't inflate your ego that way. All right. <laughs> like. Yeah. For, for those of you who don't know, I was one of Ty's coaches or trainer for the last three years before he got drafted. I'll drop that in there. So um, take us back to um before we talk more about the draft. Take us back to the Brick Invitational tournament. I know that's a premier tournament where international team from where teams from all around the world come together. And it's in a different location every year, but it's mostly in Europe. So who are some of the guys you played with? Um, I know there's some notable names there. And um, what was that experience just like at such a young age, being under, I guess, what you would call the bright lights? I mean, stars in the NHL, such as Tyler Sagan, Austin Matthews, have all been a part of that tournament. So I can only imagine the level of competition you were going up against. And uh, could you speak more on that? Yeah, for sure. So, um. Yeah, I remember that uh, that experience was probably one of the best ones of my life. Um, the tryouts, I remember our tryouts were at Westwood Arena. And it's actually a really funny backstory because um, going into those tryouts, me, like, I had no idea that it was for the break tournament. I thought it was just, like, one of those skates. Like, they just split all the kids up into different teams and we scrimmaged all day. And obviously, I saw that there were people in the stands taking notes and stuff. So, my team was actually short on defensemen. So um, me as a centerman at that age, I decided that I was just going to go back and play D just for 
that day. And then I actually ended up making the team as a defenseman. And um, so that was, that was pretty surprising. And obviously right when I found out that I made it, I was in shock and I was just really, really excited. And then um, we, our team was, was pretty talented. We had uh, Adam Fantilli, Ty Nelson, Shane Wright, um, Paul Lewinsky, all those guys. Um, so going there, I remember the, the, the flight there. And then we all met in the, in the hotel lobby in West Edmonton mall. That's where our tournament was taking place out of. Um, and obviously skating on that ice for the first time, we got to practice while everybody was walking around the mall. You'd see some people stop by and look and, um, just the environment there. We got all of our own helmets, gloves, um, pant shells, our jerseys. I still have mine hanging in my room. I love the look of them. And then, um, we actually, we started off really well going in that tournament. I remember our first game was against uh, Detroit. And then um, we ended up making it to the finals against the Hamilton Bulldogs, where we ended up winning the tournament. And then um, that was a life-changing moment right there. And then at the end of the tournament, which I thought was pretty cool, we got, uh, they got all the teams to come onto the ice at the end. And then you could find a kid from another team who you wanted to trade jerseys with and then um, get a picture if you wanted to. So I remember I traded with a kid from Montreal, um because we both were wearing number 87 so we took each other's jerseys home but overall that weekend and um moment with the boys it was I'm never gonna forget it yeah that sounds like quite the experience took it back to your roots on defense and then you got to play with some pretty star-studded players I mean all those guys you just named all first round picks and I mean Shane Wright he was granted exceptional status so that just shows what kind of skill you had on that team it's awesome um so back to the draft I know you said that was the most memorable experience and like it was just a whirlwind of a day for you. It was great, uh, great feeling. Um, did you have any prior knowledge or expectation to what team you were going to get take drafted to, um, what round, or that sort of stuff? Yeah, so I had a little bit of an idea. Um, leading up to the draft, I had talked to most teams, um, you know, just them getting to know me, interviewing me, asking me a few questions. And then um, some of those teams said that they uh, – they predicted that I would go uh, anywhere from two to four. Okay. Okay. And was Flint the team that you thought was going to pick you? Flint was not the team actually that I thought I was going to end up going to. So um, I was very surprised that day on the draft. Um, But it all worked out nonetheless. Yeah. All right. Now I know you talked about your workout regimen over the summer and over like COVID just to stay in shape. Um, my next question for you is, do you think with this delay, I know you've been like on the ice getting some skill stuff in, but that's been shut down recently and you've been working out as much as you can, but do you think this will affect your transition to the OHL? I mean, they do have, they do, are, they are looking at a 24 game season, but I mean, from anyone who knows hockey at a high level, it takes you about 10, 10 to 15 games just to, get your feet wet, especially in a new league, right? New level. So um, when you're transitioning, do you think that'll play a part? Do you think you'll probably see more practice time than game time and a little bit they'll have you um, watching film more and just studying how it's played? Yeah, um, to be honest, to answer that question, truthfully, I think um, just because everybody's in the same scenario right now, um, like I said, I think whoever takes – um, advantage of this time right now and really puts in the work and does the best that they can do to get better throughout this hard time. I think those guys are the ones who are going to be seeing the ice time next year and 
um, you'll really you'll really see it at camp because obviously there's going to be a couple guys who um, don't really have much and obviously it's not their fault but I think um, me being lucky enough to have the gym and then obviously ice up until it got shut down but I'm looking at some next week too um, I'm just going to do the best I can focus on myself and then obviously when we get to camp I'll just bring what I'll show what I can do and then um, but obviously going into the OHL next year is my first year um, obviously not expecting anything big you know just I think I'm looking forward more to going and meeting the boys and the coaching staff and just going through that year. But um, other than that, I think uh, whoever takes advantage of this time the most right now is going to be the ones who end up successful next year. Right, right, right. Sorry, before I'm going to ask one more question and then I'm going to hand it off to Corey and Matt, but it relates to what you just said. Have you had a chance to meet with any of the boys? Like you have FaceTime, any of the coaching staff? Yeah, so we've had uh, about four or five um, team calls this year. Um, obviously, three of them, three or four of them were about uh, starting dates when we thought we were going to get going again. Um, so I, have, I happened to see, uh, I got a chance to see all their faces, coaching staff, teammates. Um, and I can already tell it's going to be a great environment down there. Um, and then I was actually fortunate enough to meet um, Cody Morgan, um, Brendan Othman, uh, Ethan Keppen. Um, I had a skate and Dennis Busby, I had a skate with them down at, uh, in Vaughn, um, a couple months ago on a Saturday, um, Brennan Othman invited me out. So I got a chance to skate with them. And then, um, Chaz Nixon, who was on Oshawa last year, got drafted to Flint also. So we just had a little skate around that morning. Nice. All right, Corey. Corey. Hello. Corey. Did my there? mic cut out? Hello. Okay. I got there lost. Go. <laughs> yeah, it cut out, but we're back. Yeah, no worries. All right. <laughs> um basically, so I got I got stuck on uh one point in, in your, your speech there with Mandela. Uh you said you switched jerseys in the brick invitational with with your jersey numbers both being eighty seven. Uh any particular choice? Of, or any reason why that's 87 because I have one in mind <laughs> yeah so obviously being younger um I looked up to Sidney Crosby he was definitely by far my favorite player so um even being a defenseman I still wore uh, his number so that that's how much I All like right, him. makes sense and then speaking on the numbers thing you're I believe number 90 for Flint this upcoming season any reason on that yeah um, so Mandela knows this, but um, I think I'm probably one of the only kids that does. Every year I, I uh, tend to change my jersey number. It's just um, something I've been doing all the way up until I started playing hockey. Um, I don't think I've ever wore the same number twice. Really? Um, so, yeah. So, um, obviously my parents, as it went on, weren't too happy about that. having to uh, yeah, and then I so I was looking at at Flint and and the numbers that they were wearing, and obviously nineteen was taken for next year because this was going to be the second year that I actually tried to stick with the same number. Um, and then I saw that I was looking at eleven, that one was taken, and I was looking at thirteen, that one was also taken. Um, so I was I was just picking around. And I was just in bed one night, and I was like picturing ninety, and I was like, oh, I like that one. So then I woke up the next morning and then told my equipment manager that that's the one I wanted to go. Wow. With. That's crazy. So you never had the same number twice. 
Yeah. Now, what, what, like, you just wanted, like, you just wanted to be different, or? Yeah, like, I just, it was just a superstition almost. Like, not one year did I uh, wear the same number, the same number as I did the year before. So, that, hey, that's cool. I think it works out because then, because then players <laughs> won't remember, you know, where you are if you get yeah. them from the season. Before. They're questioning who's the new guy. <laughs> uh, they literally don't yeah, remember right? the yeah. name. Uh, I have a question. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, one of my questions would be: What are some of your personal goals for the upcoming season and moving forward beyond uh, your career? Yeah, so um, talking to my coach and coaching staff um, before, uh, like right after the draft. Um, I obviously got uh, a bit of info on what they wanted me to do for uh, next season and obviously get bigger, faster, stronger. So every time I go to the gym, I'm just focusing on that. And I've, I've already seen a huge improvement myself um, with my strength and speed. Um, so I think that's going to help me out a lot next year. And then obviously as it, when it comes to when I get down there and, and game situation, I think um, obviously I, I'm just going to try and be the player that I am. I'm not, not going to cheat myself. I know what I know what I'm capable of, and I know what I'm not capable of. So, um, obviously, I'm going to stick to being my two-way player self. And then, um, mm-hmm. if I get a chance to play center next year, um, obviously, Mandela knows, and I know. Um, last year, um, my main focus in in our end is helping out the defense. When I always tend to be the last forward leaving our zone. So um, that, and then obviously just contribute and do the best I can to help out the team next year and and be uh, positive. That's good. That's good. Um, Corey, no, I just want to say uh, with that last statement, uh, thank that. you for all the defensemen out there. We thank you. Uh, nothing hurts more than when we get yeah. no support back there. So <laughs> thank you. Very, very important part of the game. That's for uh, sure. So our last question for indeed. you would be um, who is your biggest role model off on and off the ice? Like who's the person in your life that inspires you the most? That would, uh, that would definitely have to be my grandpa. Um, growing up, the, even the very first year I played hockey up until now, um, he has not ever missed one of my games or even practices for that matter, unless either he was really, really sick or um, another one of my family members had a sporting event. So, um, and even last year, like he was still playing hockey last year before COVID shut down. So um, obviously growing up in a hockey family, he was, uh, he loved watching me and my sister play and my cousins. Um, There's nothing more that he enjoyed going to the rink and just watching us be successful and have fun. And um, yeah, he's, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And um He's he's my role model for sure. Yeah, I know that's that's definitely a good one. I can remember him uh, always at the rink. Even when we went in Notre Dame, he uh, drove down, stayed at the hotel, came to watch all the games. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The biggest supporter. Man, that's yeah. commitment. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So I actually lied. We have one more question. Um, <laughs> who is the NHL player you try to model your game style like and? Yeah. So I actually have two. Um, the first one I think would be Nathan McKinnon. Um, his speed and his shot and the way he sees the ice, um, it's it's next to none. And um, obviously, um, 
even just this this off season, um, I've been trying to work on my shot and getting it off on the fly because I don't think anybody else in the NHL shoots the puck no. the way he does. Um, and his speed, like just off the start, he's explosive. And um, when I go on the ice, I obviously try to model myself after him a little bit. And then um, the other one would be Nazem Kadri. Um, he has a very um, hard gritted side to his game. He's not afraid of anything. He goes in the dirty areas. He'll fight. He'll get under his opponent's skin. And that's another huge part to my game. Um, I don't, I don't tend to back down from anything. I'll go in the dirty zones. I'll, I'll throw around a few hits and then, um, I love to get under my opponent's skin. So I feel like those two are who I try to model my game after. That absolutely makes sense. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. You got, you got a little edge to your game. I mean, your penalty for themselves. Yeah. But, uh, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Cause that's when, that's when you're at your best, but you can't cross that line. So. Yeah. All right, well, boys, any more questions, or does that about wrap it up? Oh, Ty has any questions for us? I think, I think, yeah. No, again, I just, I just wanted to say thank you, and um, I'm honored to, to have the chance to be on here. Yeah, no, uh, we thank you for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast the and very be one of our very first guests, so we appreciate it. Yeah, we look forward to watching you. We look forward to watching your future career. Don't forget about us. All right, we want. We would love to have you back on in the future. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, maybe maybe we take a road trip. We get a, a you know right. after game interview. For sure, sounds good. <laughs> All right, that would be All intense. Right. We'll let <laughs> you go. That's, that's our future. Time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, once again, appreciate the time and no support. Problem. Thank you. And again, best of luck uh, in the future with hockey and going forward. And hopefully you guys can get a season going this year. I mean, it's been a year without hockey. All yeah, right. Take so. it easy, man. All right. See you guys. Okay. Thank you again to Ty for that interview. That was awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate that. If you guys would like to follow up with Ty on social media, he can be found at TyPetru90 on Instagram. And uh, if you're interested in following up with his hockey career, just yeah, follow him as he uh, grows and plays for Flint. And uh, so speaking of the OHL, we're going to move on to the next topic. Uh, we mentioned it briefly with Ty. It's about the 24 proposed game season. They would be following the model which the Western Hockey League, the WHL, plans to operate. But the difference between out, out, out here in Ontario and out West is the COVID numbers. So the Western Hockey League will most likely be given approval by its um, government officials, like their provincial government officials. Meanwhile, here in Ontario, where the co- cases are still at over 1,000, uh, just hovering around 1,000 a day, the government officials would most likely, Doug Ford, would be very... He'd be very, um, very cautious about his decisions, especially because it's not a professional sports. So basically, their proposal is for a 24-game season, uh, no playoffs, and they really just want it just to get the players back on the ice, uh, get them to play some games. Uh, they haven't played a game in over a year, most of them. Um, some players have been lucky enough to go overseas and be loaned out to European teams and get some ice time there. But again, that's not many because only a uh, certain few who have uh, who go through their agencies are able to do that. And I, and I believe there's a deadline for them to return. I believe the deadline is March 1st. They all have to be back by March 1st or they're ineligible to return to the OHL or the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, which oversees the OHL, WHL, and QMJHL. 
So in terms of that, it leaves them, it leaves the players who are already frustrated, even more frustrated and stuck between a rock and an even harder place. I mean, with the limited ice time available, limited gym time in hockey for them is there has been their whole life and it is going to continue to be their life. Uh, and most of them just want to play. Um, one of the players, Koska, tweeted out that players want to play. What's his name? Costas Manikis of the Sudbury Wolves tweeted, uh, they just want to play. So we're um, going to see what happens. But um, in my personal opinion, the, the league, I don't think they can fund it. It'd be too expensive to bubble. The OHL doesn't make a lot of money as it is as a league. And, um, yeah. Um, I have a – so what you're saying is, is true. They don't make a lot of money. But the other thing the OHL and the WHL, and I'm curious how the WHL is, is going to do it, um, because they have teams in the U.S. And I guess the WHL has five – I'm just reading up. They have five teams in Oregon and Washington State, so they can – get away with creating like a U.S. division. But the the OHL has, what, three teams? Yeah, Flint, Saginaw, and Erie. Yeah, so three teams, they don't really – like that doesn't really warrant a division to be made in the U.S. for the OHL. So do those teams then have to relocate to arenas in Ontario they did to play the season? That. They did mention that. Okay, I didn't see that. What do you but know? What again, they said? Um, so, from my insider information, um, basically they were thinking about that, but then the problem becomes with, like I said, um, housing of players, right? Mm, sure. Because then you got to start dealing with billets, which is not an option right now due to COVID. And if you're not dealing with billets, then you have to start dealing with hotels which would mean you have to get each player on your team their own individual hotel room, all essential staff their each individual hotel room for the duration of a 24-game season, which would most likely go on for two months. Two months' worth of hotel bills. I mean, that can add up really quick, and especially yeah. there's no gate fees. You're going to be selling minimal merch. They don't really get TV viewership. I mean, maybe it would go up, but I don't see it going up by a substantial or significant enough amount to where it would start bringing them in a lot of revenue. Mm -hmm. It's like they're definitely going to lose money this season. They've already lost money. It's Now I think that it's, it's a numbers game at this point, as well as um, player safety and COVID protocols. It's probably better for them and even more financially stable for them to just forego this season yeah and worry about next season but that would be that would be terrible for the players no for sure especially the guys and, like Ty who just got drafted and you know they but even the guys who are who are well, about to get drafted. the overagers actually if you're mm -hmm. an overager and this season gets washed that's your last season of major junior hockey gone oh, that would suck I could not imagine that would suck but even like guys who are about to get drafted, like this is their draft year. They want to put on a show, get higher on the draft board, get picked, you know. So to that point, the NHL is actually, they're discussing doing like a double draft next summer. If they can't see enough guys play this year. So, so how would that work? Well, 
essentially is they're hoping that by the time next season would come around, the OHL and all the leagues are back in back in action. And then mm-hmm. you would have the players from this year's draft class, the 2021 draft class, you would have their draft on like a Monday. And then you would have the 2022 draft class on like a Friday. Oh, and this would be next year in 2022. Yes. So they postponed the draft this year. Oh. And the following year, which I think that would be pretty cool. And that would, and it, it might get complicated and stuff, but like That'd based off of cool, what yeah. you just said, like to give players the proper time to showcase their talents, and also as a GM or a scout, like those picks are those picks are crucial for the future mm-hmm. of your organization. For so, sure, it would be in their best interest to dive. Um, to wait it out because I mean the way it's going right now the leagues within the next six to eight months they should the leagues sports leagues should be able to start playing again I don't know like I'm not talking fans like I'm like I don't know about fans and everything but the players should be at least able with all the vaccines and stuff rolling out the players should at least be able to get in the building and play a game and then, in that case, they'd be able to be seen by scouts on all that other stuff. Interesting. That's something to keep yeah. an eye on then going forward. Um, all right. Moving on from that, uh, we got – have you both seen the Arizona article in The Athletic that came out on February 16th by – let me get her name because she did an amazing job. I want to say her name. Katie Strang, Strong? Strang? Strong? Strange, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, I I heard very little about this article, but not from her piece, just from other uh, okay. media outlets briefly, talking about yeah, it. I heard about it. Like, it's briefly. a whole mess. It's a gong show. It's a gong. <laughs> show. It's a gong show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, that's one way to describe it, because uh, it's. Man, it's it's a great article. If you have the chance, if you're subscribed to The Athletic, go read it. It's called um, Dysfunction in the Desert, Finger-Pointing, Fear, and Financial Woes, uh, Woes Royal, the Coyotes Organization. Um, this So it, it's a whole investigative piece where Katie sat and she wrote out this whole thing, and it goes in depth with interviews and sources telling her all the things that go on behind the scenes in uh, Arizona with the Arizona Coyotes. And um, it's, let's just say it's not good to, to sum it up uh, as brief as I can. There's um, debt that's owed by the coyotes that they're purposely not paying and then trying to negotiate it down. There's uh, they've haven't paid their players uh, this. So this year in the bubble, they didn't pay their players what the CBA required at the proper time. So the NHLPA had to go and tell them to pay it. And then they paid it. And then when the end of the season, which was in September this year, instead of normally it's in July, that's when you're supposed to pay your players their signing bonuses, right? Um, that they didn't do that for a bunch of players. So the NHLPA had to go up to them again and say, Hey, can you pay? And they did after they were told to. Um, then there's deals where they had with uh, business partners where they try and, they won't pay their invoices for a couple months and then they'll try and negotiate, you know, bringing the debt down. It's a whole mess. They're, they're trying to, it seems from what I've gathered from the article, it seems like the tactics of the current ownership, which took over 
in 2018 of uh, Alex Morello, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, he, he, this is his kind of how he does his business. He goes in, uh, he gets, so he's had now the president CEO is his guy from other businesses that he's had. All the other executives on, on the coyotes are other associates he's had at other businesses that are now helping him run the coyotes. And it seems like this is what they do. They go in and they, uh, basically cut costs, cut everything and just go for profit, go for, um, efficiency which i don't feel you can do this is now personal i don't feel you can do in a sports franchise setting um unless you're like a major club um that is just too like it's too big almost to fail in a sense um but yeah he was even he even tried to get actually the atlanta hawks first in 2011 but the nba and the board of governors actually uh, rejected his his offer of ownership um, and terminated any deal like deal discussions uh, because of the fear of this. And then the NHL in 2018 took him on, and this is what we're now we're seeing. Um, so it's interesting. I wonder what the NHL looked at to tell them, okay, he's a safe bet rather than what the NBA saw, which gave them you know warning signs. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? I have more to say, but I'll let you guys chime in. I think it's just a complete mess from top to bottom from what I'm hearing. And I think that uh, Arizona or Phoenix or whoever you want to, you know, call them or talk about whatever. I just think that they should just start fresh, just a whole, you know, I think they should just get out of town, you know, take a vacation or something, just re re like locate somewhere else and give, Give the NHL and the fans of hockey something but to look I don't forward think... to. I think that it's not working in Arizona. I don't but think Matt... it works in Glendale. I don't think it works in Phoenix. Uh, I don't think it works go at ahead. all there. Can I think I they go, Mandela, go. Go, go, go. Time. Okay. I think this is just uh, an issue of horrible business practices, not even bad. And this is – this can be you – can, you can look at it two ways. It's reflective of the NHL for not doing their due diligence when and accepting a new owner into the league because this gentleman or these two gentlemen attempted to buy the Atlanta Hawks back in 2011 and the NBA did their due diligence and declined them the purchase of the Atlanta Hawks. And in terms of not mm-hmm. working in, in Arizona, Arizona's been around for over 20 years. They've... They've had some success. I mean, you, you've got players like Shane Doan who came out of there. Um, let's not forget, Austin Matthews plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. because when he was a kid, he watched the Arizona Coyotes play hockey, and that influenced him to want to play. So it has helped grow the game as well. So I think that the issue here is not is not the location. It's more who's in charge. And I think the NHL – because they're the ones who messed up with the sale of the team. Because ultimately, for a team to be sold, it has to go through the board of governors and all um, all other 31 NHL owners, I believe. They have to now step in and kind of do what the NBA did with the Clippers owner. I forget his name at, right now. Donald Sterling. 
Yeah, so they stepped in because what he was doing was just unacceptable. Clearly, we remember if I'm not going to mention what but uh, they stepped in and they said, no, this is oh, our I, league. I we remember, hold yeah. our owners to certain standards and accountability. That's not acceptable. See you later. They bought him out fair and square, but they would not tolerate it and or not stand for it. And if yep. you want to uh, maintain the integrity of your league, because this can slowly start, um, like it takes one bad apple to ruin the whole batch, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you want to maintain the integrity of your league, I think they have to mm-hmm. make a move. And I wouldn't be surprised if they've already started. But, I mean, the NHL likes to do things um, behind closed doors. Yeah. They like to sweep things under the rug and make sure there's only good publicity. So, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something done very soon. I mean, Melnick was in hot water for a while there in Ottawa for about two years, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And he's slowly coming around. And I mean, they were probably, they're probably putting him on the, he was probably on the hot seat with them, right? Yeah, but Melnick, for as much as, you know, we're not fans of him, Melnick wasn't, didn't do these kind of practices, wasn't this, you know, scummy. But Melnick was doing it, Melnick was doing it to the players in his organization and like the organization as a whole. (laughs) Like he was not, like Carlson, he wouldn't pay Carlson. That's true. Right, I, he refused when he was when they were trying to get the new arena built. Um, he wanted the city to pay for like half or seventy five percent of it. True. Again, it's gonna be things, but those are yeah, those are almost expected of a scale, Like it's it's not on the same scale, but yeah. I, I think it's the same idea. I I get where you're, you're coming from. I think this just takes it to a whole different level, though. Absolutely, because like like yeah, they weren't paying their players on time. Hell, they weren't paying them at all until told to by the NHLPA saying, hey, pay your players. Yeah, these are your, these players. are your players. These so, are your players. Yeah. How, as the NHL the, and the NHLPA, how can you stand for this? Mm-hmm. Well, the NHLPA stepped in on both cases, and it was it was rectified quickly. Oh, right? absolutely. But it was the fact that they had to step in. It's like you have a contract with the player. Why aren't you paying them? Yes, because they stepped in in the same year. But, they stepped in they step at the start of the bubble twice in the playoffs, and then they stepped in in September. Yeah, when so the that's like season ended and the new season started with like the whole off season like stuff, right? Twice, twice in six months. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's just on the players' yeah, payment side. Then Come they, on, there's boys, issues of them not together. paying employees. There's issues of. Um, the culture and the environment in the workplace being very aggressive, um, very, you know, curse words are involved, like all this, these types of things. Like it's it. this article does not paint a pretty picture of what's, what's going on. Like there's countless stories of have an idea of how, how deep the rabbit hole (laughs) even goes. Probably can't even happen. Tell me how though. So Arizona, Phoenix, whatever you want to call it they're Yeah. They've been around for 20 years. And they, you you can see the benefits of having a hockey team in the desert. Austin Matthews is the key example, right? Because they've invested in minor hockey. But outside of that, really, that franchise hasn't been able to do much, and probably more like hasn't been able to reach what it's capable of. One because and it's because of a myriad of factors, right? Ownership struggles in the past, financial struggles in the past, all these different things. Um, and I think like. Just hearing this and hearing these stories and how they go at their business partners, their like anyone who 
who deals business relationships with them. They're squeezing them to try and get their, their cost down. Right. And, and I just like, if I'm the person who say I'm the electrician, I go in and fix some lights and I send some invoices. Right. And they're not paying me after like two or three months. Right. And then they phone me up and go, Hey, can we negotiate our debt and like get it down a bit? At that point, I'm going to screw you. Right. And I'm never working with you again. Right. So, and like, and then they're even threatening you with litigation saying, Hey, if you don't bring our debt down, I, I will sue Like I'll sue you. Like what? I just don't, I don't understand. And it's, and in my mind, wow. Arizona still, yeah, they've been around 20 years. They're still a fledgling franchise in terms of fan base and everything, right? And it's because they don't have any community there. They have a small, loyal fan base, and I give credit to those fans because they've been with that team through thick and thin. <laughs> and, and exactly. More thin than thick. Exactly. Lots of changes. More, th- more thin than thick. But, like, they've been through yeah. the hard times. More and thin than thick, these hard yeah. times, And they're still there. <laughs> and credit to you, because I know if I was there, I probably wouldn't. And I'm a Leafs fan. That's saying a lot. <laughs> um, but, like, they like they just haven't <laughs> been able to make the partnerships. And this isn't going to help. Like, you cutting off your business partnerships and business relationships, it's not going to endear you to the community as a whole. Because then nobody's going to want to do have anything to do with you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, then, I, then I, that could no longer in turn make the the Coyotes uh, a viable franchise. Because who would want to associate their name with it if nobody associates their name? No marketing, no friendship, no community aspect to the team. Like there's, there. You're putting yourself, you're putting yourself in a corner. Basically. Exactly. That's like, to why me, they, they're acting like they're a sorry, big league team. They're they're too big to fail. Like they're a big league soccer team, like a Barcelona or a Real Madrid or um, a Manchester. But even them, they have communities, mm-hmm. right? Their fans are so loyal that there's still a community around it, and they have like business For things certain and certain things that go on with their business practices that show the community aspect, right? Even yeah. the big teams like Toronto or Toronto Maple Leafs or the Rangers or you yeah. know big teams that have been around for a long time, Montreal. There's still a community feel to those teams, even though they're big corporate, you know, some of the richest teams in, in sports, right? And yet Arizona's acting like they're that yeah. when they haven't even, you know, they haven't even gotten the, the team off the ground yet. They're not, <laughs> they're not there yet. Uh, they're not even close. They're nowhere near. And, and that's that's the part where I would love to have a team be successful in Phoenix when they're in Phoenix, first of all. They're not in Phoenix. That's another gripe I have. That's a whole different story. I won't get into it now. But like this isn't the way you do it in my mind. And it's and they even I'm just I keep going through the article. And at the end of the article, yeah. the reporter she writes about how she um she actually talked with the uh the GM of the Coyotes now, Armstrong. I can't remember his first name. Um and he was criticizing her for her investigative research and did basically was just kind of chastising her and didn't want this to really get out and said, people won't respect you. I will talk to other GMs and tell them the kind of work you did um, and, and really tried to put her down uh, to not get this report out and, and try and like diminish this report and not trust like to get people to not trust what it says, but most people know what's up 
and know that she's a good reporter. So I don't think his words will carry a lot. But the fact that now he's attacking yeah. the reporter for investigating his team and his franchise is like, what's going on in this organization that the GM is now on the offense of attacking reporters? I think they're just trying to save face. That's know, why they hired Shane it's, Dome. It's a dumpster fire as if there's ever been a dumpster fire that, yeah. and it's, it's amazing that I haven't heard too much conversation around it because this, this the is. NHL does a good job, man. The NHL does a good job of hiding those stories. They don't want, they don't want to be heard. Damn, they really do. Because, like, this is this goes and deep. And it's been the status quo yeah. like that since I can remember. Damn. Like, I mean, you can even take something as serious as the uh, pill popping problem. Mm hmm. Right? I mean, you got NHL players. Like, I was, we're getting off topic over here, but like, someone like Ryan Kessler, he was taking this, um, he was taking something called Tortoral, which helped him with his pain. And it actually helped, he actually developed Crohn's disease because of it. Because he, because he was taking more than the the dosage that an average human being should take. I think God it's like damn. required that you take it once once a week or once every month. These some of these guys were taking it daily just to play games. Holy damn! Because their body was in so much pain. Wow. And I mean, you can even look at some of the fighters who they've um, unfortunately they're no longer with us, and the things that they used to do. But, you know, the NHL, when you're making money for them, all is well. Nobody needs to hear anything else. But when things are actually, like, the important things that are going on, the things they should care about, like their players' health and safety, eh, it's not a big deal. Wow. That's terrifying. Until it, until it makes it to the media. That's Think about terrifying. it. With the, with the whole fighting. Yeah. The whole fighting thing, until it was brought to the attention of the media, it was a well-known yeah. secret within the NHL. Like anyone who was within that NHL community who had played, who knew people within it, they could tell you this. Yep. I'm sure we'll hear, hear a lot more stories, like some of the TSN original stories and stuff like that from yes. players and past players and they coaches. Like them. they had the Ted Nolan one after he won coach of the year. That's it. They fired him. Right. Like, yeah, and that's just not – that's something that's different than the pill popping, but, like, stories like that. Like, the NHL does such a good job of keeping it under the wraps, and then once that Honestly, the cap gets lifted, for, that's like, it. NHL the stuff like that is open, YouTube. Like, I watched – that's where I learned about Ryan Kessler, Ted Nolan. Um, they did a W5 about um, the pills and stuff. Like, they would have bowls of pills in the locker room. What? Guys, like, guys were chewing on them like candy. <laughs> As if it's like it's like it's, Halloween. Oh my candy. god! Take, yeah, take the whole because bowl. they they want to <laughs> get they want to get paid. I just and, laugh. And, I just laugh like they're all in like costume and they go up with their bags and they're just the coach is handing out the pills in each bag. Oh, here you I'm go, Timmy. Here you go. Bro, the trainers are not like they're there for the players' safety and team doctors are there for the players' safety, but their job is to make sure those players don't get injured and they're out on the ice. Especially the ones who are making millions and millions of dollars. God. <laughs> they get the more expensive. They have a separate bowl for those Honestly, guys. the deeper you go, the darker it gets. <laughs> God, that's scary. But, but we can save, we can save that 
we can save that conversation yeah. for another Jinx, day. You owe me a soda, Corey. Um, well, let's talk about <laughs> the the Leafers. Big old Toronto Maple Leafs. The the tor- Do you believe the Toronto Maple Leafers? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we've oh, been God. struck from the heavens above with the injury bug, and yeah, it's it's been tough. We're still still first, we're still cruising, but it's just been tough, you know. I I read something about uh, it's only been twenty games this season, but with the amount of people we've had lost and how many injuries we've had and everything, the total amount of man games lost with those players out has been fifty. So imagine what we're still know, first what we could NHL, produce though. with a healthy lineup for twenty least, games, least, uh, not but we won't be able to see that because we are no still we, first, in NHL, yeah. first in the NHL, yeah, cruising because we say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we are. Yeah, because I I said so. And if anyone has anything else to say, they can hit me up on Instagram at unknown to. Send me a DM. We'll talk. I got you. But um, big trust, you know. <laughs> um, so hot weekend, and then we got flat against the Flames. Um, what what happened? Is it just the injuries? Do we not? Do we? Just bat an eye to it. We don't look into it. I think they play tonight as well. So this is a, re- a revenge okay. game. Uh, this is my theory. Um, now, so what? What we? Yeah, the please, injuries came please. in on the Monday game. All right, I'm excited. Correct. Uh, well, Wayne Simmons okay. was longer. I think okay. Thornton may have been out I, for. I, I think so. Uh, yeah. The Saturday Montreal game. Uh, yeah. Was Muzzin out the Montreal game? No, they they were injured. Muzzin and Thornton were injured in the Montreal game. They were injured in the Montreal game. Uh, I think Hyman too. So the those three injuries came well, in Hyman's the Montreal been, game. Right? Hyman's been battling a nagging injury. Jeez Louise! Okay. Oh, and that's when we found out Freddie was fighting something too on the Saturday. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Muzzin, I don't know. I don't know yeah. how Muzzin broke a bone in his face. Jeez Louise! Well, there's only man. one. There's what? There's a jawbone, and then there's your skull. So there's two bones. <laughs> I don't know why it's so vague. Yeah, there's, there's, only, there's, only, two bones. there's only so many bones in your face that you can break. Anyways, you gotta be watch, more specific. Watch Muzzin's uh, bone, uh, broken bone, be like an ear or not an ear, uh, a tooth. Because <laughs> tooth did. Okay, on off from there. So Saturday, right? Yeah. Those injuries happened. The Leafs yeah, managed I to win the game. Wouldn't be the only one. And they looked, they looked good, right? Then. Also, that happened that Saturday. If you watch the late game, was Edmonton Calgary, and Edmonton destroyed Calgary. McDavid put up five points, three goals, two assists. What was it? Seven one final, yeah, right? So now you cut to Monday. Leafs coming off a win with injuries, Thanks right? So, yeah. so Leafs not at their best in terms of like what the team can be. They loaded up the first line. Like they did what they, Charlie Keith was experimenting, trying to figure stuff out. But then you have Calgary, who is coming off a string of not great performances um, and, and an utterly like pulled your pants down and hung your boxers on the flagpole kind of performance against Edmonton, right? Like they, they got humiliated against Edmonton. So they're coming, you know, to the game against Toronto trying to prove yeah. like hey 
we have something. And that's what I think it was. It was a combination of Calgary, like, hey, we got to play, and Toronto just not being at their peak uh, quality. So we just ran into a very angry that, like, Flames team while we're in. I don't know. I don't know if the Flames are going to come out them with the same kind of just tenacity as they did in that game because coming at us. you know now they won and things have kind of calmed down. But like they were, they had pressure on them. They had a chip on their shoulder, and I think that also helped to contribute along with mm-hmm. the injury bug for the Leafs. And the Leafs also just didn't play great. Like the lines didn't really get meshed together. Like why was Barbar Barbarnov on the second? I don't know. No. Like there was some weird decisions made by Keith and, and some things and like it just didn't go well. Um didn't didn't he bench Willie for like a little bit of the third or something but, during one of the games yeah. recently? But yeah, but, I'll I'll finish my point there. Go ahead. Man. Okay, 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 okay. Um yeah, so I mean with the Leafs if you ask me, like they were they're playing so well. I mean, eventually they were bound to lose. And I mean, the circumstances were just right. Like Corey mentioned all and Matt mentioned all the injuries. Fair enough. Um, and I'm gonna say, I'll be honest, I don't think the Leafs play the same when Hutch is in that. And then the fact that they scored the first goal, that did not help. No. I mean, we know the Leafs I- historically, they have not been a team that plays well from behind, and for the most part this season. They haven't been playing from behind. They've, there's been a few games where they have, but the lineup looked a lot different, and Freddie was also in net. So I think a combination of all that, it's just one of those games. And, I mean, you got to give it to Calgary. Calgary came out, played hard. They knew what they were up against. I mean, the Leafs got to – whether they look like they know it, but they have to – consistently show up every night because every team is coming for them as the best team in the NHL. So they're going to get every team's best performance. If you don't show up that team, if they have a really good night, you might be in trouble. Potentially. And I mean, the Leafs got shut out. So, I mean, to shut out the Leafs, did a pretty good job. Yeah. So that's just my take there. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. Fair enough. Um, okay, question. A uh, win Corey, tonight or a do you loss? have anything else about the Toronto Maple Leafs or Leafs Leafs don't lose back to Ooh, I'm I'm not gonna to, back to I'm the not, Flames. I'm placing the I'm placing my bet on the over. Yeah, we, we haven't lost back to back, I don't think, in a long um, time. I don't think we've lost back to back this season. I okay. could be wrong. But yeah, I agree. I don't think we lose back to back, but I also think there's going to be a right. lot of goals. Uh, Matt, so I say for anybody out there betting, take the over. Um, did you don't, happen to uh, see the news today out of Montreal? Don't don't get caught up. Yeah. I did not. Why? Why? Oh, Claude Julien. Yeah, I did see that. I woke up this morning. I had a big fat notification on my phone yeah. saying Claude Julien and his coaching staff or some of his coaching staff got fired. That was absurd. That man has a health risk, yeah. and he came out to play with you guys and be a coach, and you guys are just going to throw him under the bus like that? I think we need to start We say that every time he does something. Out. I think he is done. Talks about Subban yeah, being I a think... bad teammate. Well, I think we should just stop waiting and get it done. Like, 
I think we're focusing too much on Ottawa. We need to fo- we need to dial it in and get Montreal fixed. How are they going to say this greatest Canadian team uh, have twenty four cups and they're we'll, treating we'll players just leave and staff it there like then, this? This is the disgrace. More to, to come this out, the disgrace. Um, of course, in Montreal over the next week, and we'll we'll touch on it next week if there's something we want to <laughs> really say at that point. But yeah, just um, really interesting stuff that happened today in Montreal. Kind of crazy. They lose, yeah, eight, and they just say get out of town. Yeah. Also, we'll save it. I mean, yeah, we'll save it for next week. But also, did you guys see uh, that Mike Babcock interview? I'm just something? about to. I've seen that. like I'm the so tagline was once Lou got All right. fired. I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll 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 uh, we'll talk about that as well next week. Uh, we had a jam packed episode today with Ty being our first guest and just being able to ask him some questions and uh, get into the the lifestyle of what what he would do every day yes, and what sir. he does. One last was great. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, so for next week, do you guys have any we have closing remarks guest. before we another end OHL it off, player. my friends? Goes by the name of Landon Cato. Plays for Niagara Ice Dogs in the OHL, and he's a defenseman. So I'll stay tuned for that one. Should be just as good as this one. All right. I can't wait. Uh, we'll have a lot of great guests coming on for season one. Uh, and we, we can't... Uh, can't share too much info, but we hope you guys will enjoy what we have planned. So on that note, I'll let my co-hosts say their uh, infamous piece, and we'll wrap it up there. Bruh. <laughs> All right. Good job, guys. <laughs> 77. Boys, I'll just uh, we'll do 08 just for some um, buffer Okay. Time. Do you want me to get the call with Danny set up, and we'll uh... – or do you want to take a break? Because I think I scheduled it for two, so um, we'll take a break for yeah, now. Yeah, let's just stay on let's this just call, get that guess, or done. Whatever. Oh. Okay, so then do you want to get off this, and then I'll I'll set up the Google yeah, thing, the and then we we'll just take a break, go get some water, go pee, do whatever, and then I'll or... get a hold of Danny, and then I'll get you guys in. Okay. Cool. Ciao. Good job. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Later.